0: Hi, it's Dan from Desert Island Dicks. Today we have Jamie Windust on the podcast. Jamie does all kinds of things. They are writer, editor, model and public speaker and very funny person as well. So I hope you'll enjoy this. Normally, uh, at this point, I give a nice, well... A plea, I suppose, to to like and subscribe and um, give us a rating and that sort of thing. But if you listen at the end, Jamie does that for us. So That's very kind of them. Um, So we'll just get straight into it, shall we? Here we go. It's Desert Island Dicks with Jamie Windust. Hi, I'm Dan Benedictus and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they're a dick is up to our guest. And here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is editor, writer, model, public speaker and much more besides, Jamie Windust. How are you doing?
1: Hello, my love. Do you know what? I'm good. I love the premise. It's very unique. never <laughs> heard of anything like this before. No, it's it's, uh, it's good. Thanks for having me. I'm ready to uh, to tear all of my choices apart. <laughs>
0: good, good. You have a, a quiet confidence that uh, that is, you're exuding that uh, makes me think that you know you're quite adept at this kind of uh, uh, this kind of thing.
1: Yes, I um, I don't know, if cynical is the right word. Maybe <laughs> it's, a, it's a bad first impression for anyone who's listening, um, but. Yes, I, I'm i very clear on what I like and what I don't like. And it's very, do you know, it's probably the easiest thing I did all day when you asked me to choose. I said, <laughs> right, off we go. Went through the facts of hate. And uh, yeah, here we
0: are. <laughs> <laughs> OK, great. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing um, who you're going to choose. So we can just get straight into it then. Who's going to be the first person joining you on the island?
1: I'm going to go with Ginny Lemon off of RuPaul's Drag Race. Purely because I have a love-hate relationship with Ginny. I know her. I love her a lot. However, we look exactly the same. And she describes herself as, in in her own words, a fat Jamie Windust, which I believe is her unique selling point. Um, so just because it would be unbearable to have someone on the island who looks exactly like me and is essentially a an insight into my future, I would have to say, Ginny, I couldn't, I wouldn't want to look at what <laughs> I'm gonna look like in in, you know, twenty plus years. It would it was it would really
0: set the tone. <laughs> I mean, if if Ginny's a larger version of you, I mean being stuck on a desert island together, there's every chance Ginny might lose weight and then,
1: you know, then they're gonna look more similar to you. Precisely. And then it's just more competition, you know. <laughs> The, the, the one distinguishing factor will then cease to exist, will be the exact same. Um, she's northern, mm. which is always a laugh. I feel like that could be quite, quite fun on an island, but it would also get quite annoying. Not that I despise northerners. Um, <laughs> I love the north, but I do find it slightly hilarious, their tone and their inflection on all things. <laughs> Um, So that could get grating. She also loves Worcester sauce, which I think is the devil's sauce. (laughs) So, yeah, lots, lots to choose from there as to why she would not be a good guest on the island.
0: Yeah. Now, I imagine as well, like, you know, you're saying you're good friends, you get on well. But, you know, in under the pressures of island life and survival, anyone can rub each other up the wrong way. And, you know, obviously someone who's competed in RuPaul's Drag Race, I imagine, is elite level shade thrower. Correct. So I imagine, you know, if it comes to a fallout, you know, it's going to be like the words are
1: going to be very barbed and very quick. Yeah. It's going to be a battle of the wit, I think. It's going to be very quick. She actually famously got to the the lip sync of the show and walked out and, and refused to play. So maybe, you know, on the island, who knows? It could be in my favour. She could just piss off. She could be like, do you know what, I'm done. Bye. (laughs) And I'd win if it is a competition island. Has anyone ever taken it to that? Am I taking Um... it too far? No, I mean, you're, you're welcome
0: to treat it any way you want. It's not, I mean, it's more just a a, a brutal game of survival, I suppose. And, it, you know, if you want to survive together with, the, with your um, compatriots, then that's totally fine. Uh, um, if you need to take any of them out, I don't know who the other choices are, but, you know, if there's some that you want to kill or dispatch, that's, that's up to you. You know, it's, it's an island of your own making. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how you get on.
1: It would be interesting. And I think adding in my second choice who is on that level of dispatch, it's a great word to use, is uh, is Rishi Sunak. Okay. Someone who's colloquially known as Dishi Rishi. Yeah, yeah. And how do you feel about that? It does produce a slight amount of bile <laughs> in some area of my body. Um, <laughs> yes, he is coming on the island just purely as someone for us to all crucify. <laughs> and almost like a, a court jester, someone for us to slightly laugh at. He's very tiny, um, famously likes to carry wagamamas. <laughs> um, and yeah, I don't know why I chose him, but I think he would be good, almost like a good little, he reminds me of, uh, you know, in Castaway. Mm. I think he would be like Wilson, just something we could draw a face on and and, and keep in the corner.
0: Uh, yeah, I think Rishi Sunak's an interesting one because he's sort of... When he kind of emerged, everyone, you know, like you said, dishy Rishi, and then it, there was a picture where he was lined up with everyone and everyone realised he was tiny, and everyone kind of went, oh, oh, OK, all right. That's taken the, taken the shine off him a little bit. And also, I think... He seems slightly more acceptable than the others at the moment as we're recording this. Who knows what's going to happen next? (laughs) But as we record, you know, he seems all right. But, I mean, he is still, like, a front-bench Conservative, so, you know, it's going to be very difficult to trust him. Like, as I say, we don't know what's going to happen. We're recording sort of early February. Boris Johnson is still the Prime Minister. But there's sort of, like, little inklings that Rishi's, like, maybe, like, getting ready for a power play. And, you know, I I think... Just because he sort of seems a bit more calm and easygoing than some of the others, I don't think you know you could trust him.
1: I don't think you could trust him, considering that he lives in number eleven, and I know for a fact that he looks like the type of person that would have the glass up to the wall <laughs> of Boris Johnson's flat, getting the getting the hot goss mm. to you to put in his back pocket. Like you say, yes, at time of record, Boris Johnson is the prime minister. But yet, yeah, there's been rumblings that that Rishi would sneak in. And I do enjoy watching him on the telly be uh, almost quite smug, kind of like, oh, no, what, me? Mm-hmm. I would ne- I would never uh, think about um, doing that. Whereas I know most likely by the time this goes out, which, you know, the speed of politics at the moment, he'll be running the world. <laughs> um, so, yes, he's um, he is very tiny. Although that's a bad thing, but mm-hmm. that briefcase, that red briefcase is also very large so it's not proportionate makes them look (laughs) absolutely tiny maybe on the island he could help out with our with with the finances if that ever you know if we suddenly find hidden cash Mm. on the island he could help divvy it up i could be furloughed for a week on the
0: island (laughs) i think though with him because he's he's in charge of all the money but he's also I think he's one of the richest members of Parliament, isn't he? He's like married to a a billionaire, an heiress of a billionaire. So, I mean, in terms of sort of knowing what the average person needs and wants, he might be slightly out of touch. And I think when you get to the island, I think it's going to be a special shock for him. That's true.
1: I mean, who knows? It could be his island. Yeah. Yeah. I would not be surprised if we all get there and suddenly we realise, oh, this is sunak mm. rishi's isle yeah he is i I remember reading that about his family and being like christ alive so there's a, a lot of money <laughs> lots of money i mean maybe maybe i do want him on the island for that reason could bail us
0: out but then i mean because if you think if you had that much money you'd surely be used to kind of being able to make a lot of problems disappear quite quickly or just sort of go, well, you know, I'll just throw money at it, it's gone. I don't know if it lends itself to being the most practical person. And, you know, what with being quite a small guy, I don't know. I mean, maybe he'll be quick and nimble when you have to, like, catch a forest pig running through the middle of the island. But, you know, in terms of sort of building shelter
1: and felling trees, I mean, I don't know. Very true, yes. I could see him scrambling up a tree quite quickly to get a coconut. However, yeah. Could he fell a tree? Could he sail a boat or some makeshift raft? Mm. I doubt it. Maybe I would accidentally mistake him for a raft. <laughs> or, I mean, I just would love to see him in Jenny Lemongale. I yeah. think that would be an absolute hope. Yeah. I mean, you know,
0: I have to hold my hands up here. I mean, I don't know if I'm being fair, but I mean, I couldn't fell a tree or build a raft either. So, you know. Also, I don't know why I have to be fair to members of the Frontbench Conservative Party. So fuck him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Him and yeah, him and Ginny Lemon, it's it's weird. Like we don't really know enough about him to know how awkward he'd be around someone like that. Yeah. I mean, there's people like you think Ginny Lemon and you know, Boris Johnson or or um Pretty Patel, you can imagine, would just clash instantly, or Nadine Dorries or someone like that. You know, that would just be unbearable. Um, Sunak, he's managed to be a slight unknown, and and um, I imagine there's more bad hiding behind that than good.
1: Yes, he's incredibly, like, awkward, which I think, almost like how Boris is, can come across as a bit of a clown, it it acts as like a facade, so you don't really know who they are, but you kind of are like, oh, that's sweet, isn't it? But with Rishi, I I agree, you don't know a lot about him other than, He's one of the richest men in the country and he's tiny and he lives next door to the prime minister, which no, I don't trust him. I feel like he's scary. And although hearing you say about Nadine Dorries, maybe I should have brought her in because I still can't believe that we, no one in the public news is discussing that she was an MP and then went on, I'm a celeb (laughs) and is now minister for culture. And I don't believe that that's how that trajectory works. <laughs> I don't think you you go on I'm a celeb and then revamp your career into running part of the country. However, she may be good for the island. So she'd be my wild card. She'd be like on Big Brother when halfway through they add in someone new. Nadine Doris <laughs> is just in the
0: wings. Yeah. I think what they do with her, they think, you're going to be a puppet I'll you'll sort of vote for anything that i say so i'll give you something culture because you can sort of fuck about with like grants and shit but you just make sure you, i can wheel you out for a disastrous interview now and again
1: it's actually slightly um t- it's more t- the most toe curling presence on the television i've witnessed in a while it's like the conversations online, the discourse as it were, is almost as if she's secret. Again, this is alleged. This is just my opinion that she's secretly having some form of sexual liaison with the prime minister or that they're in some form of unbridled secret romance because he could say, Oh, I've accidentally burnt down big Ben," And she'd be like, wow, that's so beautiful. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, very bizarre, mm. a very bizarre one. You know what? After you describing that whole front bench, a very bizarre bizarre bench, yeah. I would not like to witness that in real life. No. They're all very short.
0: <laughs> They're just, I just think, very strange people. I think Nadine Doris, I find. I I think I'm yet to watch an entire interview with her because I get about sort of a third of the way through and it's like, I just can't handle this anymore. It's just, it's too much. And I like awkward comedy, you know, like, you know, I like things that are sort of a bit toe curly and awkward, but when it's real life and you're an actual politician, it's just, uh, I just want to pretend none of it exists, you know.
1: It would be like now if I, if you asked me, who would I put on the island? And I said, why? (laughs) She just she just is always like, why? Why are you asking me that? Yeah. It's like, babe, that's what you're there for. Um, my final person mm. is someone who I don't actually know a lot about, but the second I saw him and heard his voice, it, provo- it provoked quite a visceral reaction of, I'm <laughs> not sure I like this man. Um, <laughs> and it is Lewis Capaldi. Okay, so
0: singer-songwriter Lewis Capaldi.
1: Yes, and... I think it's the crux of it. Normally, I quite like it when people, like famous people, let's say, for example, Adele, right? Mm. She's famous and she's quite silly. Yeah. She's quite down to earth. She's quite, you know, she's quite, comes across as quite normal, kind of being like, oh, wow, wow, you know, quite funny. Lewis does the same thing, but for some reason, I find it unbearably embarrassing. <laughs> and i know that's the point but like no i also don't have time for uh this is going to sound quite harsh but i don't mind this won't come as a surprise to people who know me a bit is i don't have time for famous men who when they get very famous still continue to wear jeans <laughs> in professional settings <laughs> that's a, that's a big red line for me okay
0: yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because he sort of seems a bit, from what I know of him, slightly dual personality. Because it's like if he got a lot of attention, because he'd have a bit of a Twitter spat with one of the Gallagher's or something, and be a bit like, oh, he's quite fun, but his music's quite sort of sort of down tempo. Or he'll kind of joke about it, or sort of, oh, let's have an you know, be playing a concert and go, oh, let's have an hour of of sad songs or something. You know, he'll be quite sort of piss take out of himself, but it's like. Mm well, yeah, but it's like when James Blunt, people oh, James Blunt's so funny on Twitter. And it's like, well, that, that makes me like him more, but his output is still shit. And I have to, you know, he is an artist in inverted commas, so I have to judge him on that. It's like when people sort of go, oh, but Nigel Farage is probably all right if you went to the pub with him. And you think, well, even if that was true, which I doubt, you know, you've got to judge someone on their output, you know, what they're putting into the world. And it's like, I'm, you know, that makes me like him more, but this is your product and it I don't like it. It makes me sad. <laughs>
1: That's true, actually. Yeah. I mean, the thing that actually I'm almost maybe the opposite hmm. in that he's one of those people that I heard the song. And I like, wow, what a lovely little song that is, but didn't know who it was. So I'm an avid BBC Radio 2 listener. Mm-hmm. I have it on all hours of the day. It is my dream to be on the radio too, in some capacity, maybe during the traffic. And he's one of those people that they play all the time. Mm. But I never knew who it was. And then when I found out who it was, I went and looked into him and then was like, oh, I actually don't mind your output. But your personality doesn't correspond. Kind of like James Blunt Mm. or I guess me sometimes. I'm quite dry. I can be quite funny on the Internet. But also a lot of my work can be quite serious, which sometimes people don't understand. So. Yeah, that's what jars me is I'm like, you need to I'm not I'm not fooling for it. Who are you trying to convince, please? <laughs> he also likes to pull lots of funny faces. That's a big no-no for me.
0: <laughs> I remember Joss Stone used to do that. Like she every picture was her, she'd always stick her tongue out. I mean, surely you'd run out of funny faces. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. And also
1: I don't want to be getting on the Northern line and see someone making lots of double chins. <laughs> on a massive poster at every single station yes it's slightly funny the first time because you are like oh look that's funny mm. but then <laughs> when he's doing it in every every single picture on the internet i don't appreciate although i did enjoy referencing that liam gallagher spat because he he's a close second for going on the island i actually watched the brits last night at time of record he was on there guess what he was wearing Gene on stage at the O2. Yeah, I mean, talk about having one
0: photo. um I mean, Liam Gallagher and like sticking his fingers up. It's like, yeah, we get it. Like you can be rude now. <laughs> it's like it's not the edgiest thing to do. It's like flicking the V's or like giving someone the finger. Like. All right, Liam Gallagher. I think it's probably just like a um, Pavlovian response. Now someone goes, oh, Liam!" and he's like, eh, and just sticks his fingers up. Like it's, he doesn't. He's not. He's no longer in control of it. It's not his
1: fault, I suppose. No. The second he hears that bell, <laughs> he's off. He also yeah. was, was wearing a deer stalker hat. Interesting. You know, like with the ears. Yeah, the Sherlock Holmes kind of. Yeah, and I just no. <laughs>
0: Um, I mean, Louis Capaldi on the island then as well. I mean, I suppose he has the, per- the potential to be quite fun, but he also has the potential to just sit there writing quite maudlin songs as well. Mm.
1: I feel like I'd be on eggshells with him on the island. I'd be like, are you going to be really sad because of the songs you've just spent all day writing in the sand? Or are you going to be pulling a funny face at dinner when we try and catch a pig? Yeah. I, I don't need that tension.
0: Yeah. I mean, it might be that we're just sort of watching someone who suffers from a, some, some kind of multiple personality disorder or something. And we're just going, God, you're funny one minute and you're making sad love songs the next. Pull yourself together, man. <laughs> and when we find out, I shall issue a full and frank apology. Thank you very much.
1: And it's very true. It's like who who is one thing all the time? I'm sure after this, you're an absolute part of shit
0: i mean well after after i like stop hosting a podcast where i
1: slag people off yeah yeah i'm sure you're absolutely lovely <laughs> so yes those are my those are my uh that's my trio
0: yeah okay well i think we've got some interesting people in there and i think there'll be a, a fairly interesting interplay between the three characters there all right jamie now mercifully amongst the wreckage of the plane there was some food and drink left over unfortunately for you it's your least favorite food and drink in the world
1: what are they and why? Now it's a lovely question. We're going to start off with food. Mm-hmm. I don't know why this was in the cargo. <laughs> Maybe we were going to Turkey, but it was <laughs> Turkish delight.
0: Turkish delight, okay. And are we talking because obviously you've got the sort of the type you get in a newsagent in chocolate in the sort of pink wrapper, and then there's the sort of kind that looks like a bit like a sort of. A square jelly baby in like way too much powdered sugar. Uh, are we taking the whole every every kind the whole genre of Turkish delight?
1: The whole genre, and I have two very specific points on that. It is the worst thing that could ever be eaten. But the on both of those scenarios, the incredible amount of powdered sugar or the weird chocolate, it's the outer casing that makes it even worse because. Biting into chocolate and then going into jelly mm. is an odd sensation. Much like when you bite into the powdered sugar, it's almost like when you uh, <laughs> when you breadcrumb a chicken and you put the flour on first. Imagine I then just bit into it. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> um, yes, lots of things. Don't even get me started on the taste. It, I mean, I don't mind a floral note on a dish, potentially, but I do not want to eat the what feels like I'm just chewing on a bath bomb, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, how do you feel about
0: Turkish delight? I think the first time I had the proper stuff, I was happy that it wasn't the, the stuff in, in chocolate. But then after that relief wore off, I realised that it still wasn't very nice. You
1: know. <laughs> I remember once at Halloween when I went sugar treating, an old man gave me a bag of Turkish delight, but I didn't open it. Like a proper, like slightly terrifying old man in a brown paper bag, just Turkish delight, and I didn't realize I didn't know what it was till I got home, and that was my first memory of it, and it was dreadful. I don't understand it. For me, it's a texture thing. I shall find out shortly in my drink. Texture in food is a big one. Things like porridge can't eat it bread sauce i'd rather die anything that's a bizarre texture yeah combined with a very bizarre it's we're going back to dual personalities your (laughs) texture needs to match your flavor and that goes for people as well (laughs) yeah
0: yeah i think turkish delight very much feels like one of those sort of confections that it's like it's we're in the year 2022 now and this still exists, but there are better things. And I think even in Turkey, they know that. I, you know, I think they're selling it and producing it for sort of people on holiday. And maybe if you go around to a Turkish grandmother's house, she might have some. But those Turkish grandchildren know that there's better stuff out there. They're kind of going, oh, Nan's still eating the fucking <laughs> delight. They'll just call it delight, I suppose. <laughs> it's like rich tea biscuits. Like what? Like you can get good biscuits now. We don't need them anymore. Wow you disagree about rich tea briskets
1: now i do agree with the sentiment on a rich tea yes there are it's essentially sweet paper isn't it really mm, yeah um but i do agree that we have moved on however i do enjoy maybe it's the ritualistic element of a rich tea i do enjoy the sunday afternoon dunk thank okay. you of a rich tea <laughs> um but i do agree things have changed i wonder if turkey they know about like cream eggs that's i'm obviously joking (laughs) (laughs) but like there must be new things they they could create as a as a heritage dish um maybe what about lemon if it was lemon flavored maybe i'd like i think i've
0: had some lemon flavored ones like uh, but again it's sort of it's still sort of perfumed in a way. It's like a lemon perfume taste. I don't know. Mm. But, I mean, maybe there's people sitting over in Turkey and they've come to England and they're like, what the fuck is that Yorkshire pudding thing? It's just like air on a... Like, what the fuck is this thing? It's like, it's not... Is it a biscuit? It's not a cake? What is this thing? So true. But Yeah, fair enough. Okay, well, what are you going to try and wash down the Turkish delight with? What's your drink choice? Now, going
1: back to textures, mm-hmm. we, we're going with bubble tea. Now, this isn't yes. any specific flavour. It is purely because of the texture now for those unaware of this cult phenomenon um how would you describe it? it's basically just like juice i don't even understand because sometimes it's milk this is what. yeah my mind. so sometimes it's sort of like a
0: weak tea with lots of very milky tea sometimes it's more of a kind of yeah like a fruity juice drink and they are uh i believe they're tapioca balls so a sort of consistency of something like frog spawns, It's like a slippery balls, <laughs> which which vary in size quite a great deal, don't they? Sometimes they're quite big. Sometimes they're sort of the size of... God, what's, what, what's comparable? Like... Like a malwam. Yeah. Sometimes they're big, yeah. Sometimes they're tiny, like the beanbag balls that you get, the little polystyrene balls in the beanbag. And they come with a very wide straw so that you can just drink and scoop up these huge balls at the same time. Yes. And I just find it... Like my wife really likes him, and and I just find them such a baffling experience because you drink it, but all these balls like shooting up the straw, and it's like, look, what the what the fuck is happening here?
1: Yeah, this is what I do. It's too it's sensory overload. It's like, am I? I just want to drink. If if I was drinking a cup of tea and then suddenly I slurped up the bag, I'd be livid. Mm-hmm. So i just don't understand so many questions that's a good one the second question i ha- always have is are the because the because it's tea i always think that the bu- the tapioca bubbles or balls are like are they infusing is that where the flavor is i think it's just for texture i think it's just, people just want the texture i don't think they're adding flavor see so that is okay well that's made it even worse because they have no purpose other than provide a mild shaking hazard.
0: Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Like if if the if the idea was that you started off with a drink and you got this big straw and you tipped in a little sachet of bubbles or balls. I don't again, like they're not bubbles, they're balls. If you tipped those <laughs> into the massive straw and then they reacted with the liquid, did something exciting, made bubbles and flavored the drink. I could okay, that's a fun thing. You know, it's a bit there's a bit of alchemy there, there's a bit of surprise, a bit of like I don't know, novelty, yeah, but no, it's just, and it's not even that you drink the drink and then you sort of scoop up the balls afterwards that have soaked up any flavour. It's just you're supposed to just sort of drink them and have them shoot up into your mouth, and it's like,
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> I mean, someone's going to edit a, a very uh, uh, explicit version of this this conversation, but I mean, it's it's two. It's um, the other thing is there was <laughs> I don't know, I haven't been into Soho in so long, but I used to work in Soho. And it felt like there was one year where just there was in in the one little square, like everything, there was a, there was too many bubble tea shops. And there was a really nice Vietnamese cafe I used to get my lunch from, and that became a bubble tea shop. And I was like, there's one over there. I can see the next bubble tea shop from this one. Like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> this is what
1: baffles me is, uh, again, a, a, almost like a secondary reason why I dislike bubble tea is that, It is so popular that when you walk through Soho slash Chinatown slash Leicester Square, it's as if they are handing out free money, Mm. the amount of people that are queuing around. Honestly, to walk down, you'll walk through it and there'll be people everywhere queuing for bubble tea. And I don't understand because if the flavour is not in the boards, what, how many options can there be? Mm. I don't get it. I also don't get why it's kind of spread out. So I live in Wimbledon, mm. right? Somewhere, would you think there'd be bubble tea? Yeah, non-paper, no. And what's just opened in the shopping centre <laughs> that has caused ruckus with... <laughs> the queuing system that also corresponds with Marks and Spencer, a bubble tea station. So, honestly, it's carnage. Yeah. I, can't, I can't I can't, handle it. Yeah. Where am I going? Am I getting bubble tea? <laughs> no. I sometimes think that drinks
0: or foods become an almost, almost like an accessory. Like, you know when, like, takeaway coffee cups became a thing because we'd seen them in America, we'd all watched Ali McBeal, and, you know, they've got, a, like, a big tour thing, and then suddenly it was almost like... People sort of, it was like the done thing to, you know, like young women with lots of shopping bags and they had, it's almost like they had to have a Starbucks cup or something with them. Guilty. Absolutely guilty. I feel the same thing with bubble tea to an extent. Like you see a lot of people with half drunk ones. Like there's not that many, (laughs) I don't see many empty ones. It's like with I notice often if you see a group of people drinking Aperol spritz in a pub, when they leave, there's a lot of half-full glasses of Aperol spritz because I think people like the idea of them more than the actual drink, you know?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: And I think that's the same.
1: Yes, they're almost a fashion accessory. You will see them, you're more likely to see a bubble tea being hoisted in the air and taken a photo of than drunk. Yes, exactly, yeah. And I had I actually, I've only ever had one. And I remember saying to my friend who is obsessed with it, I said, Is this is this supposed to happen with this drink? Is this what is this like a Capri sun that's gone moldy? And they no, they were like, No, this is you you oh, so many questions. Do you bite the balls? Do you just swallow them? Who knows? But yes, bubble tea. Absolutely livid. I think it's a great choice. I just think it'd be a
0: really frustrating drink to have on the island as well. It'd just be awful. So yeah, a good choice. Um okay. Now, fortunately, you won't be without entertainment on the island. The planes Entertainment System continues to work, but just your luck, it only has two working settings. One is your least favorite film of all time, and the <laughs> other is your least favorite song.
1: What are they and why? So my song, I don't even know if this is the name of the song, but it's the Proclaimers, and that one where they walk five thousand miles.
0: Yeah,
1: and is that correct? Is that what it's? Called? I think
0: it's called. I think it's called something like "I Want to Be Five Hundred Miles." I think it's is the official. I think maybe the five hundred miles is in brackets. It's one of those in parentheses.
1: Oh, is it not even five thousand? If I made a- no five hundred, yeah. God, see, <laughs> I've just made it worse for myself. So that is my song for many reasons. One, I don't believe that they are not just two Rick Astleys. <laughs> um, and I feel like I'm being conned. The second one is, I always get it confused, and this is this was a close second choice. I always get it confused, I think, because it was the, pa- the parody with the one that Peter Kay did. Oh, Amarillo, yes. Amarillo. <laughs> Am- Amarillo, yes, which I believe is similar.
0: Yeah, they've got a similar sort of like... You're at a wedding in a rugby club, and you know, the old people know, you know, get the old people on the dance floor kind of thing. It's that similar thing, isn't it? And it's, and then it becomes a bit, I don't know, like a bit of an ironic fun thing for the youngsters as
1: well. And that's, yeah, yeah it's exactly that thing. It's like I might ironically enjoy it, and then I will berate myself by the end of the song because Lord knows I actually probably did enjoy it genuinely. Um, I don't enjoy songs with that much repetition. I cannot bear the fact that they both sound the same. I don't enjoy it. It needs to leave. It also would remind me that I am probably 500 miles away from civilization. Um, It would be a cruel song for me and Rishi to sit and listen to. Um, I'd have to explain to Rishi Sunak who the proclaimers were. He wouldn't understand because he's only ever listened to like, you know, music through gold speakers or something ridiculous. (laughs) Ginny would probably start performing it um, in some elaborate drag routine no, it would cause mayhem.
0: <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where, like, someone's auntie will drag you onto the dance floor and be like, come on, it's just a bit of fun. And you're like, oh, God. And then maybe you think, okay, come on, then. And then you catch sight of someone across the hall and they're just giving you, like, a withering, like, <laughs> oh, look at yourself. And you're like, I know, but I can't, Auntie Susan, I can't break her heart. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's one of those, isn't it?
1: Yeah. It would be awful. And it's also the second, honestly, it has to be on for like more than two seconds and then it's in your head for the rest of the day. So if all I had on the island, it would just be in my head the whole time. And I would, Rishi would, yeah, Rishi would be pulling me onto the dance floor to which I would, I'd have to, I'd have to drown myself, I think, actually, at that point. <laughs> okay. That's where we'd go. Um, don't even get me started on the film.
0: Well, I'm 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 going to get you started on the film.
1: <laughs> I have to. It's 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 my my role. <laughs> <laughs> now this this isn't a specific film. This is just any film that's ever been made. So, from my deductions, I think it's quite a lot that has Adam Sandler in it. Okay, I don't know why, but one that's springing to mind is where he's playing golf. Is that correct? Yeah, Happy Gilmore. Thank you. Yes, um, he is. The, and again, I don't know him personally but for me he is just the epitome of like just like male mediocrity um and i find his humor deeply unchallenging mm. this is the thing with me if i want if i think someone's funny they have to work for it mm. i like people who are funny but think about it he yeah. thinks he's funny but he's actually incredibly boring and it's it's like listening to a a small tiny boy child think he's funny and he's he's invariably not Mm. but he appears to be in every single film between approximately 1995 2007
0: yeah i mean he had he had a couple of sort of notable hits that did well for him and i think happy gilmore i think isn't the worst of his crimes but i mean there are a lot that Basically on my 21st, I think it was my 21st birthday. I remember staying up all night and then someone put happy Gilmore on in the morning when we were taking mushrooms. And so I've, I've got a good association with it. But as you said, he didn't have to try very hard to make me laugh at that point. So, you know. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, there's some of the films that he's done. that have been so bad. Like I think the, the comedian, Richard Herring always goes on about one where it's something like the plot is he's a cobbler and, He makes a pair of shoes. There was something like any pair of shoes he cobbles, he manages to put on and it takes him back to that person. He has a magic pair, something just insane where you're like, (laughs) how many rounds of, like, I know how long it takes to get a film signed off. You know, the process is very long and complicated. How the fuck did
1: this sneak through? (laughs) That's the thing. These films do not just happen in a day. They take millions of years. Mm. The film here that I've just seen the picture of and it's brought back an incredibly awful memory of childhood where I used to have to, I used to go and watch football every weekend. Mm -hmm. Surprise. Um, To my dad's attempts to try and create a bond. Um, But what I did instead was I requested that we have one of those DVD players that straps to all of the headrests and just like float in the middle of the room. Uh, of the car, awful. And this, we used to, I used to watch Big Daddy, Mm. which I've just seen here, has him in, which, upon reflection, as an adult now, is a film about him treating a child incredibly poorly and should definitely have been reported to Child Protection Services. (laughs) The the poster of this child is him and a small child urinating against a public building. (laughs) I don't, I don't believe in that. And, this one here called The Water Boy, which I can deduce is literally about someone who provides refreshments for a football team.
0: <laughs> right.
1: You've got, um, let's
0: say you've got a lovely box set of uh, Adam Sandler films to keep you company. Yeah. All right, then, um, Jamie, finally, the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals. Which animal is it and why?
1: Mm, I was going to say Rishi Sunak again, but it is, in fact... <laughs> A giraffe.
0: A giraffe, because, I mean, you know, they're quite, you know, it's a majestic animal, got lovely, I think very pretty animal, lovely eyes. I think they're a very attractive animal. (laughs) But, I mean, you probably disagree.
1: What's your beef with giraffes? What you and giraffes get up to in your spare time is none of my (laughs) business, but it's the tongue for me. Oh, yes. Also, I chose it because I'm aware that all of the people on the island will be incredibly short. Mm. And so, actually, although I'm not that short, but I definitely am taller than Rishi Sunak. But it would be terrifying for uh, Rishi. I would not appreciate it because it would just get in the way. It would be disproportionate. How is it gonna? How is it gonna watch the Adam Sandler films with me? Um, how can I get rid of the Turkish delight if it's all the way up there? Who knows? It would have its uses. It could help me get the coconuts down when Rishi fails to climb the tree. Yeah, but no. are. i I will grant them that they are very nice to look at Hmm. very fun is it a horse no (laughs) that's not um jenny could give it a ride lots Hmm. of fun with it if we got bored we could maybe skin it and wear it as a as a nice coat um i'm joking (laughs) that's not what i would do but um too disproportionate imagine we as human beings had necks that long we
0: live it yeah i mean they're absolutely mad looking things i mean as much as I like them, the idea of being surrounded by them on an island would be terrifying because, yeah, they're enormous and you don't know what they get. It's like, you know, you know, when you're next to a horse and you just say, God, there's such a big, powerful thing. What if it kicks me or steps on me? And that's like mega horse. It's too big. <laughs> it's just like even like its back is what must be like 15 feet high or something. It's just I mean, they're such such insane things. I mean, they're quite funny when you see them all running. You know there's the 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 weird sort of gait that they have to adopt because of their massive neck. But if you're on a tiny <laughs> island and you see a group of giraffes running, there's, you think they're probably going to quickly come round the other out, other end of the island. Then they're just running at you in a huge stampede. So, yeah, yeah. very scary. Rishi Sunak would not
1: know what to do in that situation. No. He'd get kicked. He'd be the one that would. He'd have. He, he, although he's got all this, you know, money, this worldly experience, he would have no idea he'd be like wow let's go and investigate the legs of this animal and then would get kicked into the sea yeah yeah which maybe is the reason for giraffes to remain on the island but yeah no i agree imagine them running at you I know. It'd be it.
0: Terrible. Terrible. And it's a good a very good suggestion. It's a, one of the more unique suggestions for an animal on the island that I've had in a while and I think it's a a very sound one. So uh, well done. And I think you know your your selections throughout have been very good as well. I think this is a, a particularly complicated and tricky island to spend time on and I think you're going to have a shit time there. So well done. Thank you so
1: much. So will um is it the Isle of Wight? Is that where
0: we're going? <laughs> <laughs> now, Jamie, thank you for coming. What, what, what are you up to at the minute that people would like to
1: keep in touch with you about? A lovely question. Um, you can find me on the Instagrams and on the Twitters, Jamie underscore Windust. Um, my book came out in October 2020, which was a lovely time during a global pandemic to have a book uh, released into the world. Um, so you can find that wherever you find your good books. It's called In Their Shoes. And at the moment, I'm just having a lovely time entering the broadcasting world. Very fun. Very enjoyable. Um, What are you up to? What am I up to? You have a plug.
0: (laughs) Well, I do a podcast called Desert Island Dicks, which uh, we do most weeks. And uh, the rest of the time, I mainly work from home and um, look after two children.
1: And where can people find this podcast?
0: They can find it uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Dixpod Pod or wherever you get your podcast from. And it would be brilliant if they liked
1: and subscribed.
0: That would be lovely. Yeah, yeah. I usually add a little plea at the beginning and end of this, but I mean, I think <laughs> having the guest does it, gives it extra weight. So yeah, thank you.
1: Yeah, I'll be livid if they don't.
0: Um, <laughs> thanks for having me. It's been a treat. It's been an absolute pleasure, Jamie. Thank you for coming on Desert Island Dicks. No worries. So there you go, Jamie Windus there on Desert Island Dicks. I hope you enjoyed that. It was a joy recording it with them. And um, you know what? I'm just I'm just really in the mood for keeping these little things succinct at the minute. I think uh, if you're a regular listener, you'll have heard me, you know, spout on the usual stuff. Um, you know about finding us on socials at DixPod on Twitter and Instagram, or getting in touch with us, slash contact um, If you're a new listener, well, I've just told you everything there. And you know, there's just. Go about our days and um, we'll be back with more Desert Islandics and another spectacular guest very soon indeed. Thank you very much for listening. Bye.